Hey, you busy? Mm-mm. Okay, let me run something past you real quick. Is there something that you're waiting on currently from God? Either the manifestation of something, a set of directions on a certain aspect of your life, and you're literally like, okay, God, so I need to hear from you. Okay, I need you to tell me what to do. I need to t- you to tell me if I'm in the right space. I need you to tell me what to choose. I need I just I need you to direct me, sir. Uh, I need to know that what I'm desiring is just not something that's just going to stay in my heart. I need to know that these things are going to come to pass. I need to know that these heart desires are just not going to stay desires. I actually want it to become a destination. I would love if you were to go ahead and just let me know, like you're in the right space. You know, if we can just play a quick game of like hot cold, like if you can just tell me like, bro, am I cold? Because it is given very much winter, but if I'm not, and it's just a part of your process, then help me to see your particular path and the provisions that you have for me help me to have the perspective that aligns to that so that when I'm walking with you I'm walking cheerfully I'm walking knowing that the end destination is exactly what you said it would be it's probably not exactly how I imagine it to be because you said that you give me things that I can't even imagine like it's bigger and it's it's better and it's all these other different things but if right now it's feeling like this is like such a far off destination this is like way way over there this is when I reach an unknown age, a unknown part of my maturity, an unknown. If if I walk this path with that set of unknowns in my heart, this path doesn't seem favorable. It doesn't seem like something that will allow me to be cheerful. And God, honestly, I just have like one question, not even one question. I just have one word and it's four letters. And the word is when, when, when does this happen? When will I see it? When, like, if you would just give me the when, W-H-E-N, to my eventually when, W-I-N, I promise you, my posture will probably be a little bit different. Like, I, I probably will go along this path. Like, I don't understand it, but he said add egg. It uh, Don't make no never mind of me. Just let me go ahead and add egg. And he said, after I'm done with this, put it in the oven, 450 for this amount of minutes. And then when I walk away, bink, it's going to be exactly, it's probably going to taste way better because God is the chef of all chefs, right? He's the king of all kings. He, he is the alpha and he is the omega. And so it gets to the point that you're just like, like, okay, but when, when will the food be ready? Because I'm hungry now. And I want to stay in that particular vein. I think that we relate to most of our life situations and circumstances exactly like that. We put in the mindset and we align our emotions to be exactly the following. I am starving now. God is taking too long to cook. And I don't know if I'm going to make it or even be available, cautious enough, have good strength enough to eat when God decides it's time to eat. I am starving now. God is taking too long to cook up this meal. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to keep going to the kitchen. Like, is it ready yet? Is there anything I can eat? Can I just get a piece of that corner right there? And I'm trying to get God to skim off the blessing now that he's preparing to be greater later. Yeah, I'm asking God to literally, if you can just speed that up. I know you wanted to, 
I know you wanted to make something a little bit more heftier and a little bit more filling and something that would last longer and something that would really just make an impression on my palate. I know that's what you're trying to do, but where I'm currently at and how I currently feel, it is so maximized that at this point... I'm about to go to the corner store and just get me something. I'm going to go in a fast food restaurant, drive through and just do something. I just, right now, I am okay with just having something. Even if it's not what you desire for me to have in this moment. But I have convinced myself that I am starving. And my flesh and my emotions and my body, we have all come into agreement. Yep, we are starving. And so now I'm responding out of a sense of starvation. God, don't you know that I'm hungry? Don't you know that I need this and there? You said that you will withhold no good thing from me. And then right now my stomach is filled. And I'm watching everybody around me eat. And I'm watching people eat who's not even really worshiping you like that. And I'm trying my best. And I don't know if I can make it. And, da, da, da. and so you, in the spiritual realm, and God is like, you're okay. I've, I've never, ever, ever had anyone perish from food around me. <laughs> it's literally in the Bible. Yeah, and, and by the way, men don't live by bread alone, so I'm going to need you to stop. It's okay. Yeah, you'll get it eventually. And I tell you what, if you any kind of grandbaby like me, that word don't feel good. It, it's, it's not a no it's a not yet, but eventually, uh, that word, it, it, it doesn't really give you the defined, oh, okay, it's not like, oh, next Tuesday. It's not like, oh, next January. It's not like, oh, you know what, on this year. It's not, eventually comes with a set of like unknowns that it's like, can I ask you something? If you can just put some numbers on that at the end of that, if you can just put a day at in the, like what age will I be what where where will I be? like if you could just give me something that is a little bit more you know identifiable that would be great so I had to look up that word because it, it almost triggered me because I was like I don't like that word <laughs> and I was like, get thee behind me in the name like I had to get spiritual on that word and with the new Oxford dictionary and the bishops over there there of defines eventually as an adverb it says, in the end, especially after a long delay, dispute, or series of problems. <sighs> I told you I didn't like that word. Read it again. I'm reading it again. It's an adverb. In the end, especially after a long delay, dispute, or series of problems. You will eventually get there. You will eventually go ahead and accumulate what God put in your heart. You will eventually get married. You will eventually go ahead and get that promotion. You will eventually experience the financial freedom that you desire. You will eventually get to a place and state where all you reside in is joy and abundance. You will eventually get it. But as I kept saying that word, 
eventually, eventually, I had a great English teacher that taught me that the best way to learn a the word is to find the root word. And in eventually, I see the word event. So I was like, time out. I, then I want to know with, with the bishops and them over there at the New Oxford Dictionary people, I want to know what event means. An event is a noun. Pause. What's a noun, grandbaby? A person, place, a thing. Very good. So event is a noun. What does it mean? A thing that happens, especially one of importance. Hmm. I'm sorry, run that back, Quavo, and Will. A thing that happens, especially one of importance. So you mean to tell me that eventually, although it's a long series after waiting for a time, to, it's literally the thing that happens after a certain event? Yes. So I'm not waiting on the thing to arrive more so than me waiting for a particular thing to pop off. Correct. Jesus will eventually start his ministry when? After he goes ahead and gets baptized and the Holy Spirit descends like a dove and sets upon him. And then he has to go ahead and go into the wilderness and get tempted by the enemy for 40 days and 40 nights and blah, blah, blah. Also, those events had to happen for Jesus's ministry to eventually happen. Correct. Woman with the issue of blood. You eventually got healed. But what were the events that had to take place? Oh, she had to run out of money so that she had no other choice but to go find Jesus to touch, let her faith, let him touch the hem of his garment and then go ahead and take the power of healing from him so that he had to turn around like who touched me and then look down and saw her trembling and was like, oh, it was you. Oh, that's no problem. Your faith made you whole. An event had to occur for eventually to come on the scene. I truly feel that the eventually and the events that have to happen like I think we need to reshape our mindset and reframe our perspectives around eventually like I think that if we're honest with ourselves it kind of feels like I don't think this is going to happen for the set of variables that I have, for the set of ingredients that I have, like God said that this is the menu and I'm looking at the cabinets and I'm like, <laughs> what the woman with the oil said, what the widow with the oil said to the prophet. He said, what you have in your house? She was like, nothing except a little flask of olive oil. What the disciples say to Jesus when they realize, yo, it's 5,000 men, not counting women and children. They need to be fed. He was like, then what do we have? It was like nothing but two fish and five loaves. Yeah, I think that we need to change our perspective around eventually because I'm sure it was, oh, eventually these people are going to eat. It just depends on how quickly Jesus is going to send them back <laughs> to town to go eat. Oh, eventually she'll pay off the debt, but she's going to have to come up with a plan because the oil that she is hitting with is not really cashing out to the point that she can pay off all that. Like, what, what does she need to do? And I think if we're honest with ourselves, eventually sounds like we're racing against a certain circumstance because because if we don't race against it with the proper speed, the proper knowledge, the proper for whatever, that it looks like we may not get it. Bro, if you don't send them their way now, they may not eat. Uh, Prophet, 
if you don't go ahead and tell me how to get this money, they may take her two sons. Her, her husband's already dead. Like, you know, repeat that in the name of Jesus. But, like, do something, sir. And I think that's how we feel about our lives, our situation, our circumstances. It's like, God, you need to do something or we may not get this blessing. If we don't leave this job, we're going to always be here. <laughs> if you don't fix this relationship, it's going to always feel this way. If you don't go ahead and turn this health situation around, I'm going to always feel this way. Repeat that in the name of Jesus. But we have this internal alarm clock that says, if it doesn't happen now, e eventually it's just a cold word for we may not never see this. And I think that that is the torment of the enemy. To let doubt secretly enter the chat of a promise that God already ordained for you to have. That it could kind of be like, mm, I hear you, God, but I don't really see it. I hear you, God, but the lane that I'm on is looking like I'm on exit two. And the exits that you want me to get off is in 400 and 500. And I'm looking at how old I am. I'm looking at where I work right now. I'm looking at what's currently in the bank. I'm looking at all these other different variables. And I'm like, eventually it's sounding like not going to happen, Lee. Eventually it's looking like if you don't hurry up, it. It's looking like uh, next generation because I know that half the people on the great wall of faith in Hebrews 11, most of them, the Bible says they didn't see their promise. And so it's looking like, oh, maybe God means like my fourth generation or maybe God means uh, maybe I'm going to help somebody get like, maybe I misheard it. Maybe it's like the grandchildren I never met yet. Or like, maybe I'm helping somebody else on the other side of earth or, or my circumstance experience that like, maybe it's like, like you are starting to think that the eventually is not for you. It's for somebody else individually. Has the enemy allowed you to believe that what God placed in your heart will never be observed with your eyes? Has the enemy allowed you and persuaded you to think that out of everything that God has ever brought you through, everything that God has ever graced your life with, every good thing that the good father has given you, that this one thing, yeah, no, you can go ahead and not count on him as of now. Have you been deceived like Eve to believe that God will create such an ambiance and yet forget one little thing that's going to bring you joy, peace, freedom. Doesn't it say who the sun sets free is free indeed? You think Jesus did that whole thing on Calvary just for you to be like, well, figure it out. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. Uh, you know what? I'm sorry. Glitch of the matrix. You were, you had that heart desire, but it wasn't actually for you. We wanted you to dumb it down and just kind of like, I don't know, put the carrot in front of you and hope that it, you wouldn't see past the fact that it was never going to happen. Like, sorry. <laughs> like you've been punked. Like you think God is ashen with it. Could you, if you will. Is that what you believe? Like what is happening to you internally in your belief system that your belief system is actually corroding itself to not believe the person who set up the system in the first place? Your belief system is actually turning on itself. You believed something and now your belief system is saying, I don't believe what I initially believed. Doesn't that sound oxymoronic? 
doesn't that sound a little bit off? Doesn't that ooze of like, no, that's the author of confusion. God is not that. God is clarity. God is, no, I gave you this desire because I actually, this is how, what I have for you. Like, no, no, no. He says that he has a plan and a, and a hope and a future for me in Jeremiah 29, 11. No, 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 no. God says that he will be the lamp unto my feet and the light unto my path. No, 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 no. God says if I come to him, he would tell me the way to take. It literally says in the Bible that he's behind you whispering what road to take. So you mean to tell me all this clarity, all these things that God is downloading into me, all these promises and, and reminders that God has placed in the Bible. And you want me to deceive myself enough to be perverted enough to believe that I don't believe in what God says he has for me. I can't do no more. I'm going to just try one more thing and I'm going to quit demonic. You know what? Forget it. Why am I trying so hard? Why do I believe demonic? All that means is that your flesh is saying, hey, there's a limitation to how much we can do. I need you to get me out of this wrestling ring of life and I need you to go ahead and tap into your spirit. Like I need some of this is going to have to be faith and you putting way too much on works. Like your flesh is like, yo, you got me running around here trying to figure out the next thing to do, trying to network my way out of it, trying to network my way through God's promise, trying to go ahead and save up to go ahead and get God's promise. You got yourself out here in the flesh doing a whole bunch. And that thing that you feel that just says, I quit, I can't do no more. I'm at the end of my rope. It's actually the spirit saying, bro, can you tag me in? Cause most of this you need me for. The only part you need to be working in is what God told you to do. This other stuff that you're doing, we all watching you from heaven. Like, what is she doing? God, did you tell her to? Okay. I'm on my business. That's between her and the Lord. <laughs> like, I don't know. What to... mm -mm. But we all watching you like, she's got to be tired. Look at him trying to figure it. Did God tell you to figure that out? God, can we give them like a hint, like a... All right, so you don't want us to, like, give them dreams and stuff that will kind of. God, do they know that you will only ask them to do what's in their wiring to do and whatever they can't do that you'll send somebody to do it? They don't know that. I mean, like, even when Jesus was carrying his cross and he couldn't do it anymore in his flesh, in his body, they had Stephen come along and help him carry the cross to Calvary. Do they know that you will never align them to do something and burden them to do something that you didn't wire them to do. God, do they feel like they really have to scrimmage along this whole entire earth and find the person that's going to go ahead and bring forth the plan? Like, do they know that that's not how you work? Like, did they read in Mo when you were talking to Moses at the burning bush situation? And when he was getting all scared, you already accounted for that? Because you were like, look, and here come your brother Aaron now. Like, did he have to go find Aaron? So where do they get this thing that they have to go find all the elements to your plan in order to bring it to fruition? Like, why do they feel like you would have gave them a puzzle piece and all they have to do is remain in peace so that you can show them the path? Do they know that, God? They don't? Why? Oh, because they're human. Uh, and they they live in a realm that the enemy has access to distract and make them think other things other than the original plan. Got it. Crazy. So it don't matter how spiritual they are, how long they've been walking with you, how much of a relationship they have. Like as long as they are on earth, they just got to find new ways to get boot the enemy out the chat. <sighs> That's crazy. 
So how do they do that and still like believe in what you're saying and like doing? Oh, they got to make time to like hear from you. They got to make sure that whatever is corroding their emotions, that they cast it out, that they got to truly just have it where they're like, no, I'm going to write things down. I'm going to remind myself through affirmations. I'm going to remind myself through time of God that God did not forget me, that I believe on purpose for my purpose, for God's perfect will for my life, that no, I am not accepting anything less. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what it smells like. I don't care what everybody else experiences was. It will not be mine. I am the divine. I am God's masterpiece. He said, come to me with a childlike faith. I believe believe my daddy's going to feed me. I believe he's going to give me what I desire. I believe as long as I do it his way that it will be done in this lifetime that I'm not going to be in heaven. And then it's like, oh, that was meant for the third generation. Know that I will see the promises of God on this side of earth, on this side of the land. It will be so because I believe it. I demand it. It was promised to me. So I want my promise package, period. Oh, okay. Well, guess what? You in good company. Okay, because when I was reading about the grandbaby um, that turned into Abraham, but he actually was Abram. When I was reading his story, I was like, bro, you look so human. It's ridiculous. Bro, you you looking real human. And I think that we learn best when we see it from someone else's perspective. When we can we can always look at somebody else's life and be like, oh, I would have did A, B and C. Don't we do that in movies? Why she answer the door? Mm-mm. You know what I would have said? Because if I was there, because you know what's happening? Like, it literally, low-key is like, I, it's a gem in that. You know why you're able to look at other people's lifestyles, situations, circumstances, and be able to, in your seat, say, this is what I would do? It's because you were not experiencing the emotions that that person was experiencing in that situation. What do you mean? When somebody's telling you their story, you're not emotionally connected to the people in it. So it's very clear for you to be like, oh, I would just do A, B, and C. When you're looking at someone and their situation requires either fight or flight, you're like, no, I would have just did EDF. And it's like, why is it so clear for you to say, this is what I would have done. This is what should be done. And this is how I would have carried this out if I were in your shoes and you're not. It's because you learned something that you are not applying to other parts of your life. You learned how to shut the emotions down and just get straight to, okay, let's solve this. Because when the people bought the woman that they found doing adulterous things and they were like, Jesus, we found this woman doing stuff she wasn't supposed to be doing in the tent she wasn't supposed to be in, sir. And we need to go ahead and like, she needs to be put to death. Like, what should we do to her? Jesus was like, all right, so the one without, Whoever is without sin, y'all throw the first stone. Yeah, I'm not feeding into the emotions. This is what I would have done. <laughs> it's very simple. When you approach problems without any emotion, you're able to hear the path that God has for you. Would it blow your mind that the bulk of your responsibility is just to make sure that you are distractionless? What, that will blow your mind? No, no, I, I'm going to go further. It has nothing to do with how creative and clever you are. It has nothing to do with the knowledge that you accumulate. It has nothing to do with how many people you know in a certain area. It has nothing to do with how diversified your financial portfolio, for portfolio is. It has nothing to do. Would it blow your mind if I were to tell you that it has nothing to do 
with anything outside of, are you clear to hear God's instructions? Emotions clear, mental clear, your physical ailment. Like be clear, get to a place of still. It's almost like it should be in the Bible. Like it should read something like, be still and know that I'm God. He makes you lay down next to still waters. He restores your soul. Still. When the prophet was roaming from Jezebel, he's like, I can't do no more. It's too much. He was like, bro, lay down and eat for the journey ahead. I think God is trying to tell us something. Shh. Hush, little baby, don't say a word. God has something for you to do. And if you do that thing, he said, God is going to show you the journey ahead. Yeah, that was just off the GP. That was Holy Spirit. Um, one time for the, um, the grandbaby. <laughs> I had to because it was for me. Because if you don't applaud yourself, who will? But <laughs> seriously, though, I want to read about Abram as he's coming into Abraham. And with your human eyes, I want you to see what he was struggling with. Mm -hmm. Let's go ahead and read it. Genesis 17, you know I read in the NLT version. Let's take it from the top like the deacon has said. So, one, when Abram was 99 years old, that's a lot of age. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am El Shaddai. God Almighty, serve me faithfully and live a blameless life. Two, I will make a covenant with you by which I will guarantee to you countless descendants. Three, at this time, Abraham, Abram, sorry, fell face down on the ground. Then God said to him, for this is my covenant with you. I will make you the father of a multitude of nations. What's more, I'm changing your name. It will no longer be Abram. Instead, you will be called Abraham, for you will be the father of many nations. Six, I will make you extremely fruitful. Your descendants will become many nations and kings will be among them. Seven, I will confirm my covenant with you and your descendants after you from generation to generation. This is the everlasting covenant. I will always be your God and the God of your descendants after you. Eight, and I will give the entire land of Canaan where you now live as a foreigner to you and your descendants. It will be their possession forever and I will be their God. Nine, then God said to Abram, your responsibility is to obey the terms of the covenant. You and all your descendants have this continual responsibility. This is the covenant that you and your descendants must keep. Each male among you must be circumcised. Eleven, you must cut off the flesh of your foreskin as a sign of the covenant between me and you. Twelve. From generation to generation, every male child must be circumcised on the eighth day after his birth. This applies not only to the members of your family, but also to the servants born in your household and the foreigner born servants whom you have purchased. 13. All must be circumcised. Your bodies will bear the mark of my everlasting covenant. 14, any male who fails to be circumcised will be cut off from the covenant family for breaking the covenant. 15, 
Then God said to Abraham, regarding Sarai, your wife, her name will no longer be Sarai. From now on, her name will be Sarah, 16. And I will bless her and give you a son from her. Yes, I will bless her richly and she will become the mother of many nations. Kings of nations will be among her descendants. 17. Then Abraham bowed down to the ground, but he laughed to himself in disbelief. (laughs) How could I become a father at the age of 100? He thought. And how can Sarah have a baby when she is 99 years old? 18. So Abraham said to God, may Ishmael live under your special blessing. 19. But God replied, no, Sarah, your wife will give birth to a son for you. You will name him Isaac and I will confirm my covenant with him and his descendants as an everlasting covenant. 20. As for Ishmael. I will bless him also, just as you have asked. I will make him extremely fruitful and multiply his descendants. He will become the father of 12 princes, and I will make him a great nation. 21, but my covenant will be confirmed with Isaac, who will be born to you and Sarah about this time next year. 22, when God had finished speaking, he left Abraham. 23, on that very day, Abraham took his son Ishmael, and every male in his household, including those born there and those he had bought. Then he circumcised them, cutting off their foreskins, just as God has told him. 24. Abraham was 99 years old when he was circumcised, and Ishmael, his son, was 13. Both Abraham and his son Ishmael were circumcised on the same day, along with all the other men and boys of the household, whether they were born there or bought as servants. All were circumcised with him. You know what got my attention? First of all, we dramatic. <laughs> we too dramatic. Okay. God is like, okay, this is going to happen, blah, blah, blah. Brett is 99. In his head, he was like, how am I supposed to have that at 100? How? That don't make no sense. But low key, he prophesied. Because he foresaw this, a, a year, he looked a year out. He was 99 at the time that God said what he said. But Abraham said to himself, how could I become a father at 100? And it wasn't until God went ahead and confirmed, oh, yeah, this is going to happen um, a year from now, next year. Next year, he'll be what, 100? So low key, he was prophesying. But what got my attention is that everything that God said, Abraham did not, there was no rebuttal. I'm going to make you great nations. Cool. I'm going to change your name. Absolutely. You're going to have to perform self-surgery on you and the people in your house. Got it. So surgery, eighth day. Cool. I'm going to give you a son. Hmm? That's the part that you showed disbelief in? Why? Because it didn't make any sense. Like the ingredients wasn't matching the meal. And so because it didn't make sense to you, you went ahead and just added something else in the chat that God didn't even be. That wasn't his original design. It says 17. Then Abraham bowed down to the ground, but he laughed to himself in disbelief. How can I become a father at the age of 100, he thought. And how can Sarah have a baby when she's 99 years old? Logic plus logic equals doubt. Because 18. So Abraham said to God, May Ishmael live under your special blessing, a.k.a. I don't see how what you're saying makes sense, but mm, from what I have, 
Okay, I guess this part makes sense. Cool. If I'm going to have financial blessings, then God's going to do it at this job. <laughs> cool. If I'm going to um, be a mother, I guess you mean, or I'm going to be a dope auntie. Cool. But God had to enter the chat with a little bit of an aggression. Like, he had to go shoulder first. He was like, uh, no. Okay, Sarah, let me dumb it down for you since you didn't hear anything that I just said. Um, I didn't ask you to bring your equation to me and have me bless that. I said I have a blessing for you, so you need to make room for that. So, no. Sarah, let's do L-O-M-N-O-P because you just said L-O-M-N-O-P-Q-R. No, you sped through that too fast. No. Sarah, your wife still following will give birth to a son for you. Still following? You will name him Isaac. Still following? And I will confirm my covenant with him and his descendants as an everlasting covenant. Still following? But since you're bringing me stuff and I said I was going to bless you and make you dope, I don't want to seem like I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do. So next verse, verse 20, and as for Ishmael, I will bless him also. Just as you have asked. Because that wasn't a part of my plan, bro. I will make him extremely fruitful and multiply his descendants. He will become the father of 12 princes. I'll give him a little something and he will, and it will make a great nation for him. I'll give him a little sparkle, a little razzle for his dazzle. I'll do a little something. But um, he wasn't a part of my original plan. And for you to even let him enter the chat is beyond me because um, I didn't tell you to do what you did with Hagar. So now you're forcing me to bless something that wasn't even a part of my equation, but I love you so much that if you ask me for it and you ask me for it with faith, then I'll do it. As long as it doesn't conflict with the plan that I said. So don't think because you brought Ishmael in the chat that I'm just supposed to automatically forget about Isaac. No, that's not how that works. And I don't even care that you named him Ishmael, name spelled very closely to Isaac. I don't care nothing about what you said. You named you could have named that baby um Bob. Okay. He could have been the original OG builder. Okay. You should have named him something else that wasn't close. But the fact that you didn't believe so much in my plan and you try to go ahead with your wife and contort another plan and it was real close to the plan that I had. I had to go ahead and do something new with, within both of y'all because y'all created a carbon copy to what I originally wanted. So now I gotta rename you because the parents of Ishmael is Hagar and Abram. But who's going to birth Isaac has to be Abraham and Sarah. Because Abram and Sarai and Hagar came up with a carbon copy plan. So now I got to go ahead and make sure that it's something is coming through a different set of loins now. It has to come from Abraham and Sarah. Yeah, you did something completely different than what I originally wanted. And, um... It all was due to your doubt. You didn't think that you would eventually get there. So you contorted the plan. You didn't think that God had who he really had for you. So you tried to settle down with, with old buddy and, and, and miss ma'am. Yeah, you didn't think that financial freedom was in your whatever. So you just started to try to cut corners and find different fast schemes, way to get money and quick rich, you know, that kind of thing. And it's like God is looking at you like, no. I didn't say that. 
Sarah, your wife, will give birth to a son. You will name him Isaac, and I will confirm my covenant with him and his attendants an everlasting covenant. Like, it, it can't get no clearer. Okay, God, can you make it? No, I said your husband will be A, B, and C. And you're like, it's giving very much clear, but I'm not understanding because you're speaking things into me at 99. And I'm like, God, this would have made sense if I was 29. God, it would have made sense if I was, you know, just starting off. It would make sense if I had a master's. It had, it would make more sense if I had more experience. It would make more sense if I had more money. It would make more sense. I didn't, God didn't ask you to make sense of his spiritual plan. That's the problem. You don't think you're going to get there because it don't make sense to you. But he didn't ask you to use your senses for this one. He asked you to use your faith. And he asked you to obey a couple of things to make sure that it gets there. The end. It really is that simple. Would it blow your mind? I now pose the question once more against. Would it blow your mind if your sole purpose in this whole thing was to remain distractionless so that you can get there? Because what happened was Ishmael entered the chat through, through distraction. Sarah looked at herself like, mm, ah, I know what I can do. Hagar, are you busy? What you doing next Tuesday? And she created a plan that was like, uh, what are you doing? <laughs> that wasn't it. If God needed your help, he would have asked, like, are you available to help me? But he didn't need that. He just wanted you to like kind of know what was going on and maybe that's why we are a millennia away from this story and now we got to suffer because some things God don't tell us in advance because maybe we would try to go ahead of him like oh he's my husband let me start moving in with him now like oh I didn't ah shouldn't have told you yeah you're gonna be the CEO over there y'all know I'm gonna be the CEO right yeah but right now you in customer service on the entry-level situation I need you not to tell people that because the people around you are extremely jealous of you so maybe not do that Maybe not tell people your dreams and your innermost whatever is that God's been telling you. Maybe not do that. Y'all know I'm going to be the first millionaire in the family, right? Right, but right now you you borrowing money. So let's just be careful, okay? Because people won't respect God's plan if you tell them outside of God's time and ask Joseph. And at one point he was tattletelling on his brothers. That's why there was some tension there. And then the next thing he like, oh, guess what? Y'all finna, um, y'all gonna be, I'm gonna be over y'all. Y'all gonna be serving me. Serving the person who be, who be snitching? Bro, I'll put you in a ditch. I ain't gonna hold you. You gonna be in a pit. Yeah, we, we gonna serve you some of this dirt. And we gonna serve you over to be a slave. But what we're not doing is serving, um, we won't be serving the snitch. I'm not gonna hold you. You you misheard. You need to go back to sleep. Don't watch scary movies before you go to bed. And maybe you wouldn't have that dream, okay? But you will get there. It's just a couple of things you gotta do. And it all reverts back to being distractionless. Because eventually it's just waiting on a couple of events to happen before what God has for you steps on the scene, enters the chat, if you will. Don't get in here and start trying to do carbon copy situations. Don't get in here and start letting doubt enter the chat. And so now God has to reiterate to you on a dumbfounded way that that wasn't, that's not what he said. He going to make me many nations. Oh, okay, shouts out to Ishmael. That's not what I said. And that's part of the problem right there. 
Don't even let your own logic distract you from what God said. God said marriage, but it's looking very past marriage. So maybe he just meant I was supposed to teach people how to keep their marriage together. That's not what he said. All right, I'm looking at the debt and I'm looking at the income. That don't make sense. So maybe I'm just supposed, that's not what he said. Stop letting Ishmael into the chat. <laughs> That's not what he said. Ishmael, all due respect, you ain't asked to be here. I get it. It's a lot of weight on your name. But can you excuse me, excuse me, and let um Isaac take the podium? Because, like, you wasn't supposed to be first place. That's not what he said. That's not what he said. And I feel an anointing on that. That's not what he said. Stop contorting it to make sense to you. That's not what he said. Stop contorting it to re be reachable for you in, in this season. That's not what he said. That's not what he said. That's not what he said. It's not what he said. Holy Spirit going to have me repeat it again, but I was like, I think they got it. Okay. That's not what he said. That's the last one. Okay. He's put me in a chokehold. I ain't going to hold you. What's my challenge to you? Mm, become distractionless. Stop forcing Ishmael to be the plan when Isaac was the original plan. And remind yourself that eventually it's not a series of like, it will never happen and maybe not happen for you. Eventually it just means that a few things has to happen and come into place before the events allow God's promise and God's original plan to go into fruition. My challenge to you is to reshape your perspective around eventually. We're going to go ahead and just scratch that out. You'll get there. You're on your way there. You're already in motion. You are already the person that God chose. You are already in God's perfect alignment. You're, you are already in motion. You'll get there. You're already in the grocery store. You'll check out eventually. You'll get there. You're already in school. You are on the path to what God said to do. Graduation may seem far away, but you'll get there. You are already making sure that you are becoming a wife and making sure that the things that would conflict in a marriage, that you're making sure that that's not going to be there. And so, you know what? You may not even be dating right now, but it's cool. You'll get there. Yeah, because maybe you got in your mind you got to date for two years. and then No, like you don't know what God's going to do. You don't know. But you'll get there. But how do you know? Because God already got your attention in that area. Why would he tell you if you wasn't going to eventually get there? You'll get there. So every time that your flesh or any other thing from the kingdom of darkness tries to go ahead and tell you like, oh, this is like. It's going to take another century. No, you're going to just swap that out and remind yourself, I'll get there. I'll get there. Mm -mm, nope. God is just, it's just a few more ingredients he got to gather. And then like, that's when we're going to eat. Mm -mm, it's just a few more things that has to happen. And then we're going to see that mm -mm, it's, um, yeah, he just is gathering some more things so that the hedge of protection is stronger because he's expanding my territory. Mm -mm, I'm not believing anything else outside of. I'll get there. So if you have not heard it yet and no other grandbaby called you to say it, I'm going to say it to you. You'll get there. And when it happens, 
you're going to forget the waiting process. You're going to forget that you ever felt the way that you're currently feeling. Because the wait is the hardest part. Because then you got to work when you get there. Oh, yeah, you got to wait for the house to be built. But when you get there, you got to clean. <laughs> you got to wait for the baby to be born. But guess what? Yeah, it's a whole set of responsibilities that come with you. Yeah, you got doctor's appointments that's not yours that you got to go to. You got um poop and urine that you got to do. Like, yeah, now it's a whole set of stuff. So I, it would, um, it would behoove you to just relax in the wait because when you get there, and you will get there, uh, you're going to have to use a muscle that you didn't have when you were waiting. And it's okay. Because guess what? We ain't even going to remember the wait. We're just going to praise God that you know what? I'm going to pay this forward. Somebody else is going to need to know or have to be reminded that you'll get there. So that's my challenge to you. Be so obedient and so receptive and so distractionless and so everything that you need to be in this season so that you can authentically look at somebody else once you get there and say, "Mm -mm, I got there. You'll get there. Because you're going to need to tell someone you'll get there, but you can only do that in greatness and with great faith if you can honestly say, because I got here. Do you understand that? Get there so that you can pay it forward and tell somebody else authentically with your life as an example. You'll get there because I got here. Mm, let the Holy Spirit use you. Listen, I feel like you got what you needed. Mm-hmm, you know what these conversations are. They are life-provoking conversations, conversations that not the average person is going to have with you, but who your favorite home girl. Listen, if you know anyone who needs like more encouragement because that's my gift and it's my thing and it's my jam, uh, I have a text community and a blog community. I have all the things, but you need to go on Patreon, backslash strive, the letter N, inspire. I am getting this gift out in every way that I possibly can because God just told me and I had a word in my heart and he was like, yo, you were created to multiply but not just you, everybody. So I literally created a website behind it, www.createdthenumber2multiply.com because if I'm going to speak it, I'm going to live it because I want to be able to say, I got here. You'll get there. Mm-hmm. But listen, I'm going to go ahead and let you let me go because you got websites and Patreons and all kind of things to get to because um, we're getting there together, okay? That's just how that works. Um, but I'll talk to you later. Okay, later.